Welcome to the Salt Lake Christian Center podcast. We're a network of language churches worshiping together as one. It is our prayer that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to your life. Now, join us for one of our weekly sermons. Acts chapter number 17, and we're going to begin reading with verse number one. I have waited a long time through this whole election season to preach this sermon. Because I was afraid if I preached this sermon during the election season, it would be seen as a political sermon. So it's all over. Now it's all over as far as voting. Obviously it's not over. It's gonna go on and on and on. But you can't vote anymore. So I don't have to worry about independents, Democrats, Republicans, uh, never Trumpers, never Bideners, or whatever, all of that. Because I think it's time the church focuses away from politics and focuses on what God has called us to do. In Acts chapter, chapter 17, and beginning with verse number one, incidentally, Wednesday night, our service times have changed to 7 p.m., and we will be broadcasting live. Um, Acts chapter 17, verse number one. Paul has been kicked out of Philippi because he caused a riot in Philippi. And so we pick him up then in, in verse number one of Acts chapter 17. And this is what he says. Now when they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as was his custom and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas now listen to this next, next phrase. As did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble of the basket of deplorables, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. I want you to notice a couple of things in this passage of scripture. What stirred them up was saying that there was another king 
and Jesus was the king. They got stirred up because they were proclaiming Jesus was God and the son of God. Now, I want, you, I want you to know that Paul, usually this is the way Paul would work. He would go to a new place and he would find a uh, synagogue and he would go into the synagogue first. In most of the book of Acts, as we read what Paul is doing, he would go into the synagogue first. And, and uh, in, in, this, in this particular instance, he stayed for three Sabbath days and reasoned with the Jews telling them that Jesus was the Christ. That would be his pattern. But then he would walk away from the synagogue and then he would go minister to the Gentiles. And so in the, in the middle of his coming here to Thessalonica, then he, um, he is talking about Jesus being the Christ. And so there is a mob. Sound familiar? There is a mob full of rage and they go to Jason's house and they start shouting, not only to Jason, but shouting to the city that these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Now I want you to capture this because what they're saying is that everything here in Thessalonica has just been running along smooth. Everything is just fine. Everything is going okay. There aren't any problems. There aren't any mobs. There aren't any rages. There, aren't, there isn't anything happening. But now these guys come and they upset our city and they upset our city by proclaiming there is another king so the question then is well let's let's just let's uh so that word world let's stop i don't get ahead of myself so that word world but they have turned the world that word in the greek is cosmos Cosmos. Carl Sagan, the great atheist, wrote in his book of the same name, Cosmos, saying that he was disproving that God created the world. And he described that word Cosmos this way, that it was an orderly and harmonious universe. So in other words, these people in Thessalonica are saying we have a harmonious and orderly universe. We like our universe and it is ordered just like we like it. But you guys came in and you turned. So they're saying that everything in the world was right side up. And you guys came in and turned it upside down. Sound familiar? So if we follow that pattern, that this is an orderly and harmonious universe, 
I want to I bring it down to us today in the United States of America, in Salt Lake City, in Salt Lake Christian Center. So you're telling us, news media, so you're telling us, politicians on both sides, so you're telling us that this is an orderly and harmonious universe and that it is us Christ followers, us that are preaching biblical values, us that are living our lives by, by biblical values. So you're telling us that this orderly and harmonious universe that we have, you are turning it upside down. Well, let's ask ourselves some questions. You, you say that this is an orderly, this cosmos, this world, this ethos, this uh, place that we're in is orderly. And yet you let mass murderers go free and kill babies. You ban 32 ounce colas and do nothing about the number one killer in the United States of America and that is alcohol. You refuse to prosecute drunk driving deaths as murder, but you in this last election decriminalized marijuana, opioids, and every other drug. Orderly, you are allowing eight-year-olds to determine their own gender. Sex trafficking is at an all-time high. You're allowing pedophiles to use women's bathrooms. And you're overlooking political bribes depending on which party is doing it. Does that sound orderly to you? Harmonious. Harmonious? 60 million abortions. You're telling us that this is harmonious when there are movements to ban the police forces? You say this is harmonious when you tear down the statues of American heroes, but quietly bury and remove the picture of Margaret Sanger, who was the leader of Planned Parenthood, and her philosophy was eugenics. You allow parents to make a decision post-birth of whether they're going to keep the baby or not. Harmonious? You excuse mob rule. And yet you want to defund the police. Politicians are paying tax with taxpayer money for criminal thugs to get out of jail. But you're prosecuting a couple who legally were defending their home. Harmonious? Allowing mobs to rampage but telling us in church that we can only have a certain amount and you can't sing. You've changed the names of peaceful protest depending on what group was protesting. I want to ask you something this morning. Does that sound harmonious to you? Listen to a couple of articles. This one from the World News Group. As many blurry-eyed election watchers were just waking up on Wednesday, the Supreme Court heard arguments in a religious liberty case that could have widespread implications for faith-based groups with biblical understandings of marriage. Catholic Social Services has placed foster children in Philadelphia for more than 200 years. But the city barred the agency from participating in its foster care program after officials discovered it referred same-sex couples to other organizations.
Officials told Catholic Social Services it, neither, it either had to change its practice or close down. Understand, they were not denying anyone foster care. When the agency and some of its foster parents sued, both a federal district court and the federal appeals court upheld the city's ban. Does that sound like right side up to you? Doesn't to me. We'll listen to one more. Washington Democratic Governor Jay Inslee in March signed a state law requiring districts to teach comprehensive sex education. The wide-ranging bill drew immediate backlash. We have several children here, so I will make this G-rated, okay? Parents groups purchase copies of state-approved curriculum and begin circulating examples of its graphic and inappropriate content on their websites and social media. The three R's curriculum from the LGBT group, Advocates for Youth, gives kindergarten children graphic descriptions of private body parts and confusing messages about their gender. Samples for sixth grade include role playing and explicit descriptions of those acts. A high school lesson affirms the LGBT lifestyle and leaves out the failure rate of birth control. This is not just general education. This is grossly inappropriate. And they're sexualizing our children with this content. Even as the state was under a strict lockdown due to the pandemic, Holtz and other parent volunteers collected 246,000 verified signatures within seven weeks, putting referendum 90 on the November ballot. Supporters of the measure, including Planned Parenthoods and several prominent labor unions and LGBT advocacy groups, raised over 1.69 million to promote it. They outspent the parents 15 to 1. Does that sound like right side up to you? Does that sound like harmonious and orderly? Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Malachi chapter 2 verse number 17, You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, How have we wearied him? By saying, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Job chapter 17 and verse number 12 says, they make night into day. The light they say is near to darkness. What has happened? I'll tell you what's happened. Right side up has become upside down. And so if you're going to say that everything is working fine and everything is right side up, 
I've got news for you, Christian. I've got news for you, Evangelical Church. It's time to turn upside down to right side up. Because the right side up is a biblical value. There are several reasons that I believe that they've done this. That we have allowed them to do this. I believe that they have gaslighted us by saying we're the problem. It's us. Just like they did in Acts chapter 17. They're saying it's not us that's the problem. It's you that's the problem. And so you see a major, uh, major uh, reporter say... The problem with America is they're hung up on the truth. Now, this should not be Republican or Democrat. You've already voted. So let's get back to the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God says, like Paul, let's get in the fray. But let's get in it with the battle is the Lord's and not ours. And let's get in the battle and let's turn this upside down world right side up. And President Trump is not going to do it. And President Biden is not going to do it. It's going to take the body and the kingdom of God that decides I'm no longer taking it. I'm tired of my kids living and my grandkids living in a world that is upside down. And they're calling it right side up. And I'll do whatever I can do. Listen to this article. How Christians Can Respond to the Gospel by Brett McCracken. This year has vividly displayed the dangerous dynamics of the information age. Boy, hang on. I wish I had my coffee. Thanks, Aloha. That's awesome. This year has vividly displayed the dangerous dynamics of the information age, but so will 2021. Our crisis of epistemology will likely worsen before it gets better. One day society may recognize how these truth destroying dynamics create a fundamentally unstable society and that big things need to change. In the meantime, Christians should lead the way in pursuing and preserving wisdom as a buffer against rampant foolishness. Key to this, now listen carefully. Key to this will be discernment in the area of knowledge and information intake. I am increasingly convinced that media habits are a discipleship matter that must be foregrounded in church ministry. What dubious sources, podcasts, news outlets, subreddits, YouTube channels, Facebook groups are shaping Christians today. Are you hearing him? He's calling for the church who itself is turning to upside down and promoting those values to let it be a discipleship to get away from the foolishness and let's turn it back right side up. And I'm not talking politics and I'm not talking going back to another Western culture. Listen, 
What are the trustworthy wisdom giving sources we should be pointing people to instead? Christians should lead the way in pursuing and preserving wisdom as a buffer against rampant foolishness. It was already happening before 2020, but this year disturbingly exposed the extent to which many Christians have had their minds warped, hearts malformed, and souls sickened by the ubiquitous toxins of untruth online. Many Christians have sadly followed the world in a path of foolishness. But it doesn't have to be this way. As worshipers of the God who created wisdom and people of the book where God reveals wisdom, Christians of all people should have a solid wisdom foundation. As uncertainty escalates, foundations crumble and chaos reigns. Listen, who will carry the torch of truth? Who will carry the torch of truth? The Republicans won't. The Democrats won't. The independents won't. Who is supposed to carry the burden of truth? Who will be the preservers of wisdom for future generations? Christians can be. But we'll need to get our own increasingly compromised and foolish house in order first. Judgment begins at the house of God. And so I am not preaching this morning to Democrats, Republicans, Independents, left, right. I'm preaching to the house of God, wherever you're listening to me. I'm preaching to biblical people that believe in biblical values and stand for biblical values and are raising your children with biblical values. Who is going to stand? We need to get our house in order first. In 2021 and beyond, let's commit ourselves to that task. Lord, help us. Amen. Turn with me real quick to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So that's what happened with Paul in Acts chapter 17. And this riot that we read about, that they said they were turning the world upside down, we see the impact of Paul's actions in the first letter that he writes back to the church at Thessalonica that stood strong, that stood sure. And we find a pattern in this, so follow with me. First Thessalonians, I'm reading from the New International, or new, the New, uh, what am I reading from? English Standard Version. I don't know. Linfield Crowder used to say when I was using the NIV that I was using the nearly inspired version. <laughs> Paul, Silvanius, and Timothy, verse number one in First Thessalonians chapter one. Paul, Silvanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Now, what's great about that verse? What's great about that verse is even though there's a riot in Acts chapter 17, and even though, even though Paul and Silas have to, have to hide, and even though they're run eventually out of there, there's still a church. And it's there by grace and peace. 
We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love. There's a pattern for us. Your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, when the church comes back and starts forming again and opens back up, there's a pattern. Where are you going to be? Are you still going to be sitting on your couch in your pajamas? I may cause a riot. Your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So here was a church that went through this turmoil. But years later, there's still a church working steadfast. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and full of conviction. So what he's telling them is that the power of God through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through his word, the word of God, and through the conviction of that body of believers that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and the belief that the Bible is the word of God, and they went on with that, and the Holy Spirit helping them with that. Full of, with full conviction. I've got news for you. The church, the evangelical church doesn't need you if you're going to be um, squishy in the area of biblical authority. We don't need you if you're going to be squishy in whether Jesus is God or not. We don't need you if you're going to be squishy in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the church that will rise out of the pandemic ashes and out of the ashes of this mess politically will be in will be people who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and stand on Peter's uh, statement. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You received the word. There was a whole, there was a whole pandemic going on. There was a whole riot going on. But they received the word. They received the word. So that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And there is a difference. Go with me. I'm hurrying. Saloa, bring your team back up. Get me out of this, will you? First Thessalonians chapter 2 gives us a pattern. Verse number 1. Okay, and you're waiting for the son, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. 
For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Can you imagine that when all of that happened and Paul has run out of Philippi and he's run out of here and he's run out of there, can you imagine the feeling of failure? Wow, it didn't happen. But now Paul looking back is saying, all of that, all of that was not in vain. It was not in vain. I want you to hear, I believe with all of my heart, this pandemic was not in vain. I don't believe it was sent by God, but I believe God has used it. And he's used it for families and he's used it for churches. In this pause, because I believe he wants us to come back to the basics. That this is not in vain. And I have news for you. Whatever happens in the next few months politically is not in vain. God didn't cause it, but God can use it. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse number two. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness. We had boldness in what? We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. This isn't the time, church, to hide. This isn't the time to go back into our shell. This isn't the time to let them gaslight us that we're the problem. We're not the problem. We are the problem if we're going to try to do this politically. We are the problem if we're going to try to do this by being some political party. Or we are the problem if we're trying, going to try to do it like the Crusades with military power. But listen, declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of conflict. It's time to stand up. It's time to preach the gospel, unadulterated gospel in this conflict. Verse number three, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Listen, I think one of the greatest things of all of this turmoil is it's causing the evangelical church to reassess its commitment to the prosperity gospel. I think it has brought us as an evangelical church to come back to the pure gospel. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. That he died a vicarious death. That he was buried in a tomb, he was dead. And yet he came back to life. He resurrected from the dead. And he is a soon coming king. Hallelujah. Oh, bless you. Verse number four. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Listen to that. That's us. We have been entrusted with the gospel. It's not our gospel, it's his gospel. And he gave it to us. He entrusted us with it. That's the best reason not to vilify it. 
or impure it. I know that wasn't good English. Trusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So evangelical church, quit preaching to sell books. Quit preaching to get people clicks on your website. Quit preaching for that. And let's preach because we're not trying to please men, but we have a God that we will answer to for our actions in this pandemic and in this mess that the United States of America is in. Not pleasing men, but pleasing God. And last, stand with me, will you please? For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext for greed. God is witness. My hope and prayer is that God takes evangelical church through this to where there's only one agenda, not filling stadiums, not even filling buildings, not selling books, not doing that. No personal agenda, one agenda alone. And listen, this is pointed at me just as much as it is at you. And read looking at my, at my heart and my life, no personal agenda, the only agenda agenda is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to my neighbors to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in every chance we get and in every way we get it Lord God if I have said things this morning that were out of my own emotion and out of my own passion and not out of your word, I pray that you'll forgive me. But Lord, I pray that you will take what you've laid on my heart and not only this Sunday, but for the next several. Lord, to call your church back because you're doing that. You're not only doing that through preachers in the pulpit, you're doing that through individual people. I see some right here in this congregation. I know there's some outside listening to me and I see them that are coming to me saying, man, I just have this desire for God. I just have a desire to not waste this crisis. I just have a desire to be closer to him. I have a desire for God to use me, not so I can be somebody great, but so somebody can hear somebody great. Lord, we surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, those of you online. Come back next Sunday. There will be another one. God bless you. Hallelujah.